0: Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am your host, Heather Hanson O'Neill. We have a fantastic... Guest today, and I'm super excited about that. Uh, but before I get to my introduction, there, I would like to take a, a, a time for a call to action. And today's call to action is for anyone looking to cultivate their purpose. I have a link to an upcoming free masterclass in the show notes. Check it out. Lots of great content for emerging entrepreneurs. Now, today's quote is by Lao Tzu, and it is, The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing Joel Harrison. Now, I have to do a little background before I do the real introduction, but I came upon a a conference called Ignite, And, you know, I'm the fire girl. So I'm drawn to it. And actually, this one was one that was sent to me by my fantastic VA. And people send me stuff like this all the time. Oh, you got to check this out. This looks awesome. So it's kind of fun that. That's what happens for me as the fire girl. So immediately I go, oh, let's check this out. This looks really cool. And so I reach out to Joel. I had an awesome conversation with him. And I decided I think he would be a great person to invite on as a guest in today's show. So here's my real introduction now. Joel Harrison is editor-in-chief and co-founder of B2B Marketing the leading provider of insight, best practice, and professional development information for business-to-business marketers. Joel launched B2B Marketing as a magazine back in 2004 and has played a key role in its evolution ever since with the addition of new products and services and its evolution away from a pure media operation towards a more holistic and integrated offering all focused on helping marketers to be more successful. I'll put some more information on Joel and where to find him in the show notes. And I'm going to drag it out of him here as well. So welcome, Joel. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, It's lovely to be here.
0: Excellent. And uh, just as an aside, uh, Joel obviously isn't from Brooklyn. He's uh, calling us today from London, right?
1: That's right, yeah. We're, we're in London. The sun's out today, so it's a good day in London. Can't complain.
0: Oh, fantastic. I know. It's beautiful here and I'm complaining because my feet are chilly. Such a baby I am, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a lot of great questions for you, but feel free to let it go wherever you want. Um, I wanted to start with, you know, today you you co-run an international publishing and business information organization, but you never—you had told me that you never really had an aspiration to be a business owner or no. a public speaker. So, so where to come? Where to come from?
1: Yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, I was—I was a journalist. I was a journalist way back when, in the kind of the age of print publications. I don't know if you're old enough to remember those. <laughs> those
0: Unfortunately, I am.
1: <laughs> I, I wouldn't have believed that for a moment. Um, but um, so, yeah, and um, I had a. I, I was quite happy doing that writing about a niche in marketing in the, in the uk doing it enjoying my work it was all it was all good <clears throat> and then a friend of mine and i started having a conversation going you know could we work for ourselves or what could we do we both had this this kind of uh, interested in marketing. He was a publisher or a marketer rather at a, at a kind of um, a legal resource and you know, could we could we start something up? Could we start a magazine up? And you know in the UK at that time there were loads and loads of magazines about marketing and it was a very crowded market and it seemed like a ridiculous idea. Um, and then it became one of those things that, um, that, that the more you talked about it, the more obvious it sounded. We had this idea for B2B which is a very big thing in the US and has been for many decades but it was very under underplayed under 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 misunderstood under reflected or underrepresented in the UK so we had this idea and then more we thought about them we thought this is obvious and if you don't do it you'll spend the rest of your life wondering what if so and then I think so we were kind of pretty committed but then the thing that really changed things for me is my mum got cancer um and and sadly my mum isn't is no longer with us but um uh, uh-huh. she she but this she, she's been she's been gone 10 years um, sadly we miss her greatly but um and she survived she, she um she had a, a rare form of cancer but she, she did very well to, to, to be around for eight years after her diagnosis but i think what it cho- what it told me was that you're only here once and you know this is not a dress rehearsal and and if there's a, there are going to be opportunities that come your way and you've got to take them because if you don't take them you'll be one you'll be spending as i say the rest of your life wondering what what i, what I could have done if i only had that a bit more balls and pardon the pardon the expression and <laughs> So and the other thing was that the money I had in the bank was money from my grandmother. My grandmother was an entrepreneur um, in in the back of the 30s and 40s. So it just seemed like well, what would she have wanted me to do with the money? Well, she would have wanted me to to invest it in in something like that. So it just seemed really appropriate. But but it took me into a place. You know, I was lucky because forgive me, this is a long winded answer, but you know, I was I was um, I was single. I was about just in my late 20s. I had no kids, um, no mortgage. You know, I had nothing to lose in that respect. And so, and there's a sweet spot for that. So I thought, I'd give it a go. And and um, yeah, it, it took a lot of guts, but, it, it, you know, here I, here I am 15 years later.
0: That's fantastic. And, you know, you could take all the time that you want with this because this is a, a passion of mine in helping people to release the fear that's attached with starting a business. I mean, I believe very strongly in entrepreneurial adventures and, you So many times people say to me, oh, I wish I had done this, you know, and and I'm like, why, why wait, it it doesn't even have to be that sweet spot where you decided the stars aligned, and it was a great moment in time for you. And it was still scary. And so a lot of people come to me where maybe the the stars aren't aligned, but that voice that nagging voice that, that you're like, well, maybe and it it got stronger and stronger. That's what happens with people. And it just gets really, really loud and obnoxious. <laughs> and at some point, yeah. you just have to listen. Right.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think I, I guess, um, you know, I, from my situation, um, you know, it, 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 it gave me it was a big shove to kind of push me over the edge, as it were. But, um, I, you know, I would say don't let don't wait for the shove. To your right. point, you you don't need to wait for the shove. You know you can you can do things. That, it's it's harder in some situations, but don't 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 wait to be pushed. There's so much you can gain from this. So I I think you're on a great mission, Heather.
0: Thank you. And you know I'd really love to hear now your grandmother in the 30s was an entrepreneur. What'd you say? Yeah, th- I I mean
1: 30s and 40s and into her 50s, she was a very enterprising woman. Uh, but she wasn't. She didn't. Don't I don't want I don't want you to think that she was. She became a millionaire, but uh, she came from a very poor poor family in Bristol which is a city in the west of England um, and you know, she had um, she had nine brothers and sisters and she was the one who should have gone to university but they didn't that, that just didn't happen in those days for that that people in that class mm. um, and she you know she started up various businesses you know the war in the UK and in the, the, in the 40s obviously kind of knocked the stuffing out of the economy and so that made very difficult to do things but and she was a woman um, and but she started various businesses, um, and she was success, and you know, bought shops, and then you know, sold these businesses and built them up, um, and then, um, and then, and she had, and then she bought, you know, and, and I remember, I just about remember this in my, um, in, in my, when I was when I was around, because my parents lived next door to them. They had these, they bought these big houses in Bristol, these very big Victorian houses, and they let the rooms out to students. So, um, you know, these houses were really impractical for today's, well. These days they tend into apartments or flats, but in those days it's very hard to know what to do with them. So they made money out of this. And my dad often says that he spent, this is her son-in-law, spent all his weekends walking up and down this road carrying wardrobes from closets <laughs> on one room to another. Uh, so, so yeah, she did lots of different stuff and, and she was a very aspirational, you know, driven person.
0: What a gift to have that in in your background to, you know, see, I don't, maybe it's in the DNA. I don't know, but for me to be able to see that experience of, of someone taking risks and doing things that are uncommon to achieve things that are extraordinary. I think that's a gift. And I, and I think that's outstanding. What did, what kind of expectations did you have in the beginning for your business?
1: I mean, honestly, not much. I, you know, I thought I, I, there was me sitting there thinking, well, if I can, if it's successful, I can. If I can buy a flat in a few years' time, mm. you know, because London's a very expensive place to live. And I thought, well, like, if I can, if I can give me enough money to to buy a flat and could put me a kind of give me a bit of a leapfrog up the housing ladder, um, and that'll be great. You know, if I if I might learn some things and I might be able to get a better job down the line. You know, I honestly was. Quite prepared for it to be, um, for it to be unsuccessful, you know. And and um, you know, but and, and my and my, you know, my, my my business partner is the kind of guy who goes, "We're going to be this time next year, we're going to be millionaires." You know, every every day says that. <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
1: So um, so you kind of have that balance. But so yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't sitting there going um, with, with hugely high expectations. You know, I'm some I can be sometimes i um, I'm not always the most the person who uh, has the the biggest. Uh, Ambition or, or certainty around success, um, but I've got a lot of determination to make up from that.
0: That's great. And you, you know what's fantastic about this is that I, I think that we, if we do it right, we surround ourselves with people who have the the skills and the attributes that we don't have, right? And and then when you do that, when you build those partnerships, or uh, as you grow, when you hire people that that complement you that's when you have this explosive growth and and in the beginning of my business I, I didn't you know I learned the hard way a lot because it didn't have those people necessarily to emulate around me and so I would hire people that I liked people that were like me <laughs> yeah. and it you know it just doesn't work we don't need more Heathers god knows we do not need more of me we need you know the people that that can balance me out and it's awesome that you were drawn immediately to a partner that was a great balance a great fit for you and and your business
1: but but there's a good point around that and uh, heather and by the the way i completely agree with your point around diversity of thinking and of attitude it's it's absolutely hit the nail on the head but with james and i you know if you would said to me um, look at all of your friends which one is the one that you think you're going to go you, which one do you think you could spend 15 years of your life working with he would not have been in the top <laughs> absolutely not and i'll be and i'll be honest you know i'll be completely honest about that and you know he and i we're very we're similar in lots of ways we're very different than others and that does work and i and i and even though many days i want to kill him um <laughs> we um we do you know I, I i do admit sometimes begrudgingly that one with us one and one makes three you know and the, and um as a package you know we complement each other very well and as a package we 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 back we you know we 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 buy, we you know we we punch above our weight as it were
0: mm. yeah that's that's great it's so funny i mean you don't necessarily have to like your partner all the time but <laughs> as long as you're you know you can find your way through it and communicate well it's it's all good yeah, um and, and you know i have a, a lot of um listeners here that are that are actually starting out so i'd love to ask you like What it felt like when you started and and what was the reality versus those expectations? Uh,
1: Well, it felt it felt very exciting. Um, It felt very seat of the pants. It was it's it is the most exciting thing um, that I've ever done in that period. It was it was tremendous. I mean, you and with a by nature of small business, you know, we thought we knew what our business model was. You know, you have – and there's a wonderful chart, a wonderful meme I've seen on LinkedIn and various places where they're kind of like two charts. One is what you think your business model is, and it's a chart with a straight line on it, and then what it actually is, and it's a chart with a line that goes all over the place, backwards. Yep. Up. You've seen that one, I'm sure. I
0: love that one.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, and that's just – it just makes me laugh every time because it's so appropriate. So it was very seat of the pants, um, constant, you know, trying to do everything on a shoestring, trying to, to bargain, trying to – the other metaphor is you know build a plane as you as you dive off the cliff um and that that definitely felt like a lot of what we were doing um know, yeah, and sometimes that was a i remember it now as exciting there were days when it was scary you know i was putting together a magazine by myself for the first couple of issues which is exhausting um emotionally and physically um but but you know it, it was it was a very it was a great time and i and i um and, and there was you know I, you can't I, I wouldn't take that take that away
0: but you must have learned a lot. Now you've you've grown. It's been fifteen years now. You guys are exploding. You're doing a an ignite conference here in the USA now. Um, you, you've got a lot of things going on. So, what changed? What shifted? What drove that transformation? So that's
1: a so yeah that's a good question to ask because it you know i mean we so when we as i said just now we had we thought we knew what a business model was it turned out we didn't um and <laughs> we had to kind of um re-engineer it and then about um four years in so we started in 2004 and about four years in heather you i'm sure you'll recall there was this little thing called the credit crunch um mm. and um it hit our industry very hard because advertising the way we were making money was through advertising printed advertising in our magazine and that almost evaporated wow. overnight so we had to completely shift the business model and it feels like we've been shifting it ever since. And, mm-hmm. you const- you know, we're in this. It feels like that that felt to me like a bit of a landmark moment where a lot of things in life and business changed a lot. And there's this uh, sense of constant evolution and transformation is an overused word, but we definitely fe- I definitely feel that we're constantly tri- striving to transform Um mm-hmm. You know, so so that's what changed really. That's what changed us, and, and it, we've been doing that ever since. And you know, sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we get it wrong. But I think the um the, the the trajectory is is in is in the right direction. But I think it would be very easy in that point to roll over and go, oh, you know what, you know, we, we'd be able to go. It didn't work, never mind. But um, you know, these adversity only makes you, you know, only makes you stronger if you can get through it. You know, you 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 are a stronger organization and probably a stronger partnership as a consequence.
0: Exactly, and I I love that you had mentioned that as one of your attributes is that persistence or determination to to keep going. And I think that that wrapped together with uh, the acceptance that change is inevitable. <laughs> you know, because it's so easy to just say, "Okay, this is too hard. This isn't working," but it's that wrapping your head around okay we've got to keep changing we've got to keep growing what can we do differently and asking different questions i think yeah. right yeah. as you go along
1: yeah and recognizing that not only because you're you're changing and you're changing in response to opportunity but opportunity is changing as well you know that the you know we're, we've got a technology is changing things there's a there's a um, a generational shift going on a kind of a handover of responsibility in organizations from my generation the generation x's the generation y's and the generation z's and all that stuff's going on at that, that so there's this it feels like there's a, we're in a constantly evolving world and, and and that's um uh you know that's tough to get your head around but but once you do it's it's i, I guess if you're a millennial probably that's that's the only world you've ever known
0: that's true. That's true. It, it's just us that go into it kicking and screaming a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. yeah. Now, I, I tend to, you know, even though I do a lot of work uh, in the business world, I tend to always come back to the humanness uh, for people. And so I have to ask you, do you feel as if you've changed personally? And, you know, what kinds of things did you learn that you think would be pertinent for the listeners?
1: You have to learn all kinds of stuff along the way. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'm not um, particularly numerate person. Um, you know, math or maths, as we say over here, comes kind of hard to me. I've had to get, you know, had to understand balance sheets and, and cash flow forecasts and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've had to take on the role. I had to think more strategically, not move away from the detail, which is what I'm quite good at as well. Um, uh, you know, think, in, think about the products in a broader perspective of, the, of our company. Uh, and But also perhaps, perhaps the biggest change I think that we're under, undertaken is that um, my business, so we kind of, it kind of apparent to me really early on that we needed someone to be the face of the business. Now, my business partner is an extro- extraordinary, gregarious person and someone who has to be the center of attention wherever he goes. But at the same time, it also became apparent that perversity, he wasn't the person who was going to do this. He wasn't going to be able to or willing to stand up and do this. So it had to be me. Um, mm. and and i 'm not that person I, I'm, I describe myself as more introvert than extrovert, and so I had to kind of basically overcome that fear and 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 be comfortable getting up in front of people and um uh and and talking and 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 learning how to how to engage them and hopefully amuse them and make them make them want more and make them remember positive things about me and my organization and and i you know i'm not going to say i'm the world's greatest person at that but i get some i get pretty good feedback and 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 good reviews about it and you know i sometimes make people laugh so so it's uh i'm I'm being typically british in myself facing this about that but um, (laughs) but but but, you know it's it's a it's something that it was a real challenge and i and i and i and I dressed it head on. And I would advise anybody to do that. You know, I think it's possibly I'm g- going to go with some cultural stereotyping. I think uh, in the U.S. it's it possibly there's a, a more of a it's 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 you're you're more kind of schooled in that. It's it's more inherent in the culture. And in, in Britain, there's more of a, a culture of saying less is more um, mm-hmm. and and not being so and not be encouraging to people to be, to stand up, put their head above the parapet. So I had to kind of fight against a lot of personal and cultural um, kind of challenges in that, but I'm so pleased I've done it and I would recommend it to anybody.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. You, you did have a, a lot of different reasons why you could have said, no, no, I can't, I can't do this. But once again, you, you work through that fear. Was there something, a strategy that you used to kind of talk yourself through it or you know, were there moments where something just happened and and it became easier? Was there, you know, something that you did?
1: Well, you know, I think actually doing, doing things like this um, make it easier to stand up in front of people and talk because you get comfortable with your own voice and... Um, mm. You learn little little tips. You know, webinars are a great way of learning how to present because if you can, essentially, the same thing about presenting a webinar is is presenting a presentation on stage, but you have you just can't see the audience. And actually, that if you can, so if you can learn to do it that way, then you can learn the other way. Um, so that's good. So just, I guess, just um, learning tips and tricks. Um, I think one of the things that I was lucky enough in my job to do, which is not open to everybody, is to, to do, to chair panel discussions. I'm quite good at asking questions. So you get the glory and you get to be able to manage systems, situations quite well um, without necessarily having to do all the hard work of answering the questions and telling authority. Authoritative. You get other people to be authoritative and you just coordinate things. So there was a few things, um, but, but it's, it's basically, it, the, the crux of it is exposure therapy, you know, feeling... <laughs> Take basically knowing that this is going to be uncomfortable. You're going to feel really nervous the day before and probably during. Um, and but just accept that's part of it and and learn to deal with it. And but in, and then if you listen to celebrities, speakers, um, you know, uh, all kinds of TV stars, they all say the same thing. They all say that we feel I feel very nervous before going on the stage and doing anything. And so the nerves, nerves don't leave don't leave you. you just learn. Heather, I I don't know if you relate to this, but uh, the, you know the nerves don't leave you. You just learn how to deal with them better. That's all.
0: Yes, 100%. And I love that. I, I've, yeah, I'm, this is going to be repeated by me just so that you know. I'll, I'll try to attribute it to you. Um, but exposure therapy, that's fantastic. I, you know, I'm always telling my people just take action, do something small, move toward it, create the momentum. But exposure therapy, that's, That's just fantastic. I love it. And uh, all right, so I used to be, before I went into the business of speaking, I used to be a performer. um, I used to be a dancer, a professional dancer. So performance does, it's just kind of part of who I am. However, yes, 100%, I still get nervous and what i what i say is that that feeling is not going to go away nor would i want it to because yeah. i see it as energy and it's just a matter of you know those butterflies getting them to fly in formation is a way that i i think of it it's focused <laughs> energy and so um yeah i definitely think it doesn't necessarily go away but it alters in a way that you can use it to serve and i love what you were saying about how you know you you learn to do it by you know being on the panels and helping and bringing lifting other people up and that's influence right there that's what you're doing and that's probably why you know a tool that you use to help you um probably really helped catapult your business because the ability to lift others is what will come back to you and your business tenfold so great way to do it that's fantastic
1: that's that's great to hear and i'm and great to hear my my think my things evaluated i just would one other thought on that kind of tips of things that help make you a good speaker somebody told me once um need have a full bladder um need <laughs> it distracts you from from what you're from the other the fear that you've got um I'm not saying I necessarily recommend it but I, it's an interesting idea
0: that's fantastic okay so here's the thing I always have a full bladder. <laughs> <laughs> I drink like a ton of water every day and so maybe that explains why I'm okay with
1: it you know I'm not going to analyze that any further <laughs>
0: So how would you describe your role right now? I mean, do you have some new objectives, new expectations, new aspirations?
1: Well, I, so my role right now um, is I do a variety of, of things in our business. One of the things I do, which is where you and I came into contact, was that I'm responsible for programming our conferences. And we've launched our, our Ignite event in the U.S. Uh, for 2020. It's going to be Chicago in May, at the end of May. And we're really excited about that. We have um, four conferences in the U.K. And for three of those, I, I program the, the the conference. And, I, and that involves me looking through a spreadsheet of people who submitted presentations and talking to people who we know otherwise would want to talk and balancing the agendas and dealing with sponsor responsibilities. And so it becomes a, a pretty it's a, it's a pretty big job. Um, I am looking to offload some of that and I do I do other things like I write some reports and I do have some public speaking as well. I go into um, I write some reports and I go and I go into uh, into marketing functions and talk to the teams about um, about what we see, the trends that are coming up and and issues that they need to, to consider and how to what the future of B2B marketing looks like. And that's really exciting. But um, what we've all collectively agreed and we agreed this a couple of years ago, but I haven't found the time to do it. And this is my challenge now is to. Really stop working uh, on in the business and start working on it, and and that by that I mean to really try and double down on this notion of being somebody who is a uh, has a bigger profile than just in the context of the organisation, and um, is is better known and in known my own right rather than just in collaboration with that, and, and that will probably involve writing a book um, and kind of generating that that kind of personal brand stuff, which again is, is I feel a little bit uncomfortable about, but I recognize it's a good thing to do. And, and sometimes the not doing it, being busy doing other things has been as much as an excuse as a reality. So I'm having to deal with that excuse at the moment.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. It's so funny because, you know, this always happens for me and every show something comes up that I'm either personally working on or working on with a client. And this is very very big right now it's that that tipping point of where you are and where you want to go and what you have to release in order to get there and um i highly encourage you to write that book to make those changes and when you do write it come back i'll get you back on the show okay (laughs) um so what what changes or internal transformations or what steps do you think that you need to take to propel you into this future, is there something specific besides the book, or are there just different mindset shifts, or what? What do you think?
1: I think I need to empower some other people in the business to do some of the things which I've been doing. Um, mm-hmm. That's it, that's a key that's a key point. Um, I think I need to, I think I need to, so I need to step away and stop, as I said earlier on, caring about the details so much. As a business, mean to probably put some processes in place around business intelligence, so I I feel confident I can move away from things because, you know, again, constantly fidgeti- fiddling with things is a sign of insecurity about stuff. And if we can if we can create the better reporting, which we, we're working on and we're making progress on, that will help. But I think mostly it's just a um. I think I've got to drink my own drink my own Kool Aid. I think is the expression. You know, I've said at the beginning I'd encourage everybody to do this, and I, but I, and I've just got to take the next step. I've just got to just just dive in basically and exposure therapy
0: yes yeah that's fantastic okay and so i i can say this because i'm a fellow control control freak <laughs> um, and i'm not suggesting that you're a control freak but like letting go of the control and the reins and that it has to be done your way is incredibly difficult mm-hmm. and so it's good that you're thinking through let's put the processes in place to get make it easier for people to be successful but then that That shift inside of you and inside that I that I have to make every day and that a lot of people have to make is um, being open to things being done differently than we would do them. And when you once you make that, everything opens up and it opens up your people to get more innovative and to come back and you find out that they actually do it better then you would have done it. And that thought just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I, you, you know, I, I I, see you, I feel you, you're doing it right now and it's awesome. So before I get into like the, the final parting words of wisdom, I really want you to share um, some some websites, some ways that, that people can get involved with you and B2B marketing. Um, can you please provide both your... Your UK site, and as well the um, the link. I'll put this in the show notes. But for people, you know, just listening, if you want to share, also the Chicago event for the, for the, those US peeps too.
1: Okay, so our, um, our global site, because we are global, we're we're around the world, uh, our largest online audience is the US, uh, the UK is our second largest online audience, and we, there were people in India and Germany and Australia and all those kind of places online. You can find us at b2bmarketing.net, it's very simple. Um, but our, as we discussed earlier on, we're launching in Chicago for next year, May 27th, to 28th, um, the Renaissance, Renaissance Hotel, I should say, in, in that's a, a U.S. pronunciation rather than an English one, um, <laughs> downtown Chicago. Um, and the, the, that, the website for that is b2bigniteusa.com. So www.b2bigniteusa.com. And the, the first it is one word. The dot com obviously isn't. Um, so so, yeah, we'd love you to, to, to kind of come along to that. It's going to be a two day conference. Um, you know, it's our first foray uh, into the US and we're going to be about 400 marketers there minimum. Um, and uh, it'll, it should be a fantastic event. We're working with some great people on this. We have. Um, there's a guy in Chicago who there's network there's a quite a strong b2b network in Chicago and it's um one of the principal characters and that's a guy called Gary Slack who used to run the BMA conference in the city so he is co-programming this conference with me uh, and he's a he's a he's a very close personal contact and a good friend, a very, very good guy, and he's, he's forgotten more about B2B marketing than I think I'll ever know. So, um, but but as well as that, if you don't want to do that, we do regular webinars. Um, we've got um, some coming up, Very, we've got one coming up next week, I believe, on account-based marketing. We've got two of the most authoritative B2B marketers that I have ever met, some two wonderful people appearing on that, a lady called Bev Burgess and a lady called um, uh, Gemma Davis, and also and someone who's equally interesting and fascinating and wonderful called Bryn and Bryn, um, I forget Bryn's third, second name, but she's from On24, so she's uh, she speaks American. So you'll be, you'll be <laughs> with her. Uh, so, so we do lots of those regularly um, and we do lots of content. So I would just say follow us on Twitter, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'd love to, to get to know you. I'd love to understand your concerns, your challenges in B2B marketing. I'd love to make sure that our content is reflecting those.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, guys, check it out. Uh, There's a ton of great educational material. And word on the street, Joel, is that Ignite Uh, 2020 is going to be the best B2B conference on the planet. Uh, So we'll see, you know, but it sounds enticing.
1: (laughs) Well, we we do our best. It's just worth saying as well that the Ignite, the name, by the way, we have an event in the UK called Ignite, you know, and that we have 1,200 people there that's been going for about, um, about 10 years now. So, you know, we're bringing an existing format, an existing brand to the States, and we're really excited about that.
0: That's fantastic. Okay, so I can't believe it. 30 minutes flies by. But what advice would you offer people moving forward in the B2B market or as entrepreneurs or, or anything that you think are your final parting words of wisdom? I, I, don't,
1: I, I think the, the best thing to say is, you know, to coin a phrase, as somebody, a certain sportswear manufacturer once said, just do it. <laughs> I, I really think that the, that the more you... And I'm, I'm the most guilty person of this. I prevaricate and I overconsider and I wonder about, worry about the ramifications. But the quicker you get on with it, the, the quicker you'll know either way and the more you'll benefit.
0: That's wonderful. That's great. You know what, Joel, this has been, I knew this was going to be great. You did not disappoint. Joel Harrison, thank you for your time, your energy, your expertise. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed it.
1: Thank you so much. It's delightful to be on this show and to meet you and thank you so much for for, for inviting me.